passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. Uh, this show was not taped on Friday night. We are coming at you on a Monday night. Yes, yes, that's right. Yep. No audio you- sweetening. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Wei, there is only so much sugar in the world to sweeten one particular segment, and I don't know if it really uh, made it... Uh, come across any better than some of the live reports we heard of but we will get to that magical segment uh tonight uh involving everyone's favorite storyline on raw but how are you today did you have a uh a swell weekend yeah yeah it was fine i mean spent it actually um recording with you for most of it so it was good you came over on saturday yep yep good time as always we had some dumplings and chicken Courtesy of Davey Portman. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you again, Davey, for that. Yeah, how was the the rest of your weekend? Non, uh, I guess, non recording wise. Uh, really good. On Sunday, it was a uh, less of a chaotic day after all of the uh, the Saturday stuff that we did. Sunday, I took the first steps of getting uh, Christmas decorations. I set out. Uh, all of us went to Walmart on Sunday. That was a trip. And it was not it was not a successful trip to, to Walmart. We ended up buying not a successful trip to Walmart? Not not the greatest selection in the world. We had to uh-huh. like ask we had to ask where the, the Christmas decorations are and they directed us. And it's like this little area that was not not all that prominent. And I was debating what I would get. I, I bought something. I bought these like uh light up candy canes. I'm going nuts this year. I did I decided on the weekend I'm going all in. I really dropped the ball at Halloween. I will not do so for Christmas. So this is my new thing. So you don't reuse decorations. You you buy. I, new I don't stuff? have decorations. Way I don't oh. have much since we have moved in here. Like we lived in a condo for years where there wasn't. I mean, we we had you know small decorations, but I'm I'm talking going crazy here, like outdoor yeah. stuff. So this is all uh, all new purchases. So exciting. that's on my radar. Very exciting. Yep. You're going to get on the, that roof? There will be a ladder. There will be. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, hope, please be safe. That's all I have to say. Oh, if I run into any problems, I'll be, I'll be contacting Way. No, you won't. You'll have to come over and help me. I'm not getting up on that thing. Well, 
anyway, that uh, that was Sunday. It was a lot of fun. And then I sat down with Max. I was in, I was in the uh, the Christmas mode, so I just decided let's find something on Netflix to watch. So I just chose at random this movie called Santa Claus, C L A W S, mm, which okay. features a series of talking cats that are about to be put up for adoption by this mother, this single mother who doesn't believe in Santa Claus anymore because she had some traumatic encounter with Santa when she was young, when Santa was allergic to cats, fell and broke a record. That was one of her gifts on the Christmas tree. So now she will not allow her son, Tommy to not just celebrate Christmas, not even allowed to have a Christmas tree in his own Room. He saved his allowance to buy a Christmas tree, hid it from his mother, and she found it. This woman is just just terrible. So I'm only at like the 40-minute mark. So this woman is not looking too great. I'm imagining she is going to have an enormous return to the Christmas spirit by the end of this movie. But I looked up the reviews of this movie. It's awful. It's a terrible movie. I'm shocked. I'm stunned. Stunned so, it wasn't well, a 10 out of 10. So I know I'm not going to be around for Thor Ragnarok this week. That's my movie review. Santa Claus is one that you can skip. Well, thank you for that pointer. I appreciate it. Uh, But as John mentioned this week on the Post Wrestling Cafe Patreon feed, I will be reviewing Thor Ragnarok. John, unfortunately, can't make it. He's got other obligations. Did Uh, you say fortunately? Unfortunately. Oh, it sounded like fortunately. No, I meant to say unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, so I will be joined by Daniel Perry, who many of you may have heard recently on the Rocky My Via Picture Show. Uh, he, he is a film industry veteran who has actually spent some time working for Disney. So uh, I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about this very fun movie. Way more qualified. So I look forward to that. That is going to be Tuesday for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Regular Wednesday night lineup with Rewind to Dynamite. And up next, Thursday, Andrew Thompson, fresh off his coverage at StarCast and Full Gear. He is going to be joining us on the Cafe Hangout, so you can tune into that. 3 p.m. Eastern Time if you are a Cafe member. Friday, we've got a new edition of the British Wrestling Experience with uh, the crew together to review the latest Progress card, ICW's Fear and Loathing card. They're going to be chatting about uh, the recent WWE shows uh, in the U.K. Maybe they'll even talk a little bit about uh, Lana... Bobby Lashley, and Rusev. Then Friday night, Way and I are back with Rewind to SmackDown for our patrons. Saturday, doing this all off the top of my head, we've got the Rocky Maivia Picture Show with Nate Milton chatting Planet 51, a classic in the Dwayne Johnson catalog. Such a classic that um, unforgettable is what I would call it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Correct. Sunday, Thunderstruck. Uh, WH Park is going to be joined by Emily Pratt from Uproxx. They're going to be chatting about Jushin Thunder Liger, Brian Pillman from Super Brawl 2 in 1992. And then Sunday night, it's myself and WH Park with the latest uh, post-Purasu as we are going to chat about all the latest happening in the uh, Japanese industry. It's uh, The weekends are just WH Park time. He just takes over the site. He's Saturdays and Sundays. That's his domain. I mean, he can have every day if he wanted. Yeah, he's... He, he likes to share. He likes to share. Yeah. But we're always uh, happy to have him. He's also got a fantastic rundown of both the All Japan and New Japan uh, tag leagues that are going on concurrently. The All Japan one is starting, uh, I believe, tomorrow. 
and the New Japan one starts this weekend. So he's got full previews, uh, some great analysis of all of the teams. And if you're someone that is just way too busy to be following all of this, he makes it short and sweet of what matches to go out of your way to see and which ones you can skip. So there you go. Check all of that out at postwrestling.com. I think I nailed them all. I think we got all the shows. Yeah, I think you got more than actually what was listed in our personal schedule. So well done. Well, yes, sometimes stuff just falls out of the sky, including uh, Davies review of Evolve 139-140. It's up right now. Jesse from the six, John Ceno joining him. Uh, so that just went up this morning. So uh, tons of reviews up there. Evolve, the New Japan show from San Jose, which I had a chance to watch. On okay. Sunday. So maybe we'll chat about that a little later on. Uh, but let us head into some news items. Uh, there was a bit coming out. I want to start off with the WWE's announcement that the Broken Skull Sessions, hosted by Steve Austin, will be launching on the WWE Network uh, later on this month following the Survivor Series. Austin is going to do a sit-down interview with The Undertaker. So this is sort of the relaunch of Austin's podcast series on the WWE Network, which... It's never really a podcast on the WWE Network. It's a sit-down interview. But, um, yeah, interesting to see that Austin has not done one of these on the network since 2016. Uh, They are bringing it back and, you know, a notable guest for his first show back. Was this not a series briefly on on USA or something? No, he was doing a reality – like a competition show on the USA Network. It was not – it was kind of like – he would interview guys, but it was a different concept than this. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. Are you uh, curious to hear from The Undertaker? Yeah, somewhat. Is, it, is this interesting? Um, yeah, somewhat. I, at this point, I, I only have so much time, I think, for new interviews, new podcasts, new wrestling things that, you know, much like how we talk about, you know, any new wrestling promotion that's coming up needs to really separate itself. I, I say the same thing about wrestling podcasts and wrestling interviews. Um, I'm not really expecting that much groundbreaking stuff to come out of this. But if there is, I will check it out. But it's not going to be a day one watch for me. So I did ask WWE about this and whether this would have any involvement with their podcast division. And they told me this is going to be exclusive to the WWE Network. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, this would seem like something that you... Well, obviously, they want to drive people to the WWE Network, and I guess that is the uh, rationale behind this. From the sounds of it, it might be more of a visual, you know, maybe a more of a visually interesting type of interview that maybe requires uh, the TV aspect. But, you know, they did put backstage on in a, into a podcast form recently, so maybe they can convert it. I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe Undertaker's going to blade or something during this interview. Oh, Wow. Uh, After Full Gear on Saturday, Tony Khan did one of his uh, post-event media scrums. He covered uh, quite a bit here. Did you have a chance to watch any of this? I have not. So a few of the notes here. He stated that there were no major injuries coming out of the show. There was apparently some altercation involving Excalibur and Jimmy Havoc earlier in the week at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And Bodyslam.net reported on this that there was some kind of an incident and it appeared to have ended with, um, well, they were stating like, it seems that Excalibur maybe got the better of Jimmy Havoc, but Tony Khan confirmed there was some incident and he really downplayed it stating he has seen much worse. And afterwards, uh, body slam had reported that, uh, Jimmy Havoc felt 
very bad about the whole situation and it seems to to kind of uh got through whatever issue it was it seemed to be it sounded more like excalibur kind of subduing jimmy havoc who was uh i don't know what was going on here but anyway this did not show this was not filmed for AEW dark oh too bad they announced that for dynamite this wednesday they're going to do Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, as well as a rematch between Hangman Page and Pac. He confirmed Double or Nothing 2 for May 23rd of next year. He said Memorial Day weekend, so it'll be in Las Vegas once again. Uh, Other places they really want to hit in 2020 would be the UK and Canada. And added that Chris Jericho was very hands-on with the parody video that they did last week, working with Kevin Sullivan and... uh, their whole team there. So uh, those are just some of the notes from Tony Khan. Nothing, I think, uh, too groundbreaking other than uh, the pay-per-view that they confirmed with Double or Nothing 2. And their next pay-per-view will be sometime in the first quarter of 2020. If you had to okay. guesstimate, what, what would be a good lapse of time before they come back to pay-per-view? What would be a good month in the uh, first quarter? So if we've got November uh, being there this show and then May being their next show, I think February sounds good. You know, even if you want to do an early March show, you're kind of deep in the in between Rumble and WrestleMania next year. Um, I think that little pocket, I would go somewhere between late May, early March. I know they've looked at, you know, with Memorial Day weekend, that was a, a big weekend for the UFC. I'd be curious if they try what the UFC did all those years of running a show on the eve of the Super Bowl, maybe, which would be in February. And maybe mm, that's something you could try. I'm very interested to see next year's Super Bowl because that year, next year, Fox has the Super Bowl. And you have to wonder what kind of, you know, integration WWE might be able to receive from Fox having that that big game and wanting, you know, the big the big value of the Super Bowl and spending all that is to hopefully get eyeballs onto your other products and how important WWE is to Fox to maybe integrate WWE a bit into that whole Super Bowl presentation that week. So that might be interesting. Certainly. And I wonder how dependent it would be on how well it performs up until that point. Sure. You know, if they if they did spend all that promotional uh, effort into promoting, you know, where it, ex- where, it st- where it stands right now, um, will they continue putting that amount of effort into something as valuable as the Super Bowl if they're not necessarily going to see a return? And earlier on Monday, Sin Cara became – Sin Cara – became the latest WWE performer to request his release. He posted this on Twitter uh, with a translation. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, interesting to look here that he said, I've come to the realization that I'm stuck in a place where I have no value as an athlete, performer, or entertainer. I've worked hard for many years to polish my craft, have been a supportive team player, and have waited patiently for the opportunity to show the world everything I could do. Unfortunately, after all these years, that opportunity never came, nor do I feel it will ever come as long as I remain where I am at. Um, if you read the whole statement, he's, he's very complimentary towards WWE. He just wants to move on. But I... I think this is going to be the exact same as Mike Bennett, as Luke Harper, and I think it's an interesting tactic that so many are continuing to go with the public reveal that they have requested their release. Uh, do you see any other outcome than kind of w- what we have seen here? Do you, do you see a Kenta situation where somebody is actually let out of their deal? I I would say no, but you know you never know. Um, I always find it to be a really interesting tactic. I'm sure, you know, somebody like Sincaro would fully understand 
the risks of doing something like this and maybe fully expecting, you know, this, a similar result to at, at all of his other, um, you know, colleagues who might have tried the same. So, again, you have to ask, what does he have to gain by doing it? And what does he have to lose, perhaps? You know, that's the other question, because either way, he might be forced to sit, sit out his contract not doing much of note either way. Um, does this doing something like this on a really well, um, really well designed, uh, statement, by the way, this is not just, you know, opening up the notes app and typing it in and screenshotting it. This dude, like got some buddy to type it into Photoshop, had a, has a nice, like made it look really nice. So, um, he dressed it up so he gets extra points, but, um, you know, maybe it's just a way of promoting himself so that, you know, he can generate some buzz for the time when he is able to leave. Yeah, um, Mike Johnson has, uh, he reported on Monday evening that, according to his sources, that as of now, the release is not going to be approved. He adds here that they he was initially slated to go to TV at the end of the European tour, but instead he will be going home and will not be working raw next Monday in Boston. So that comes from Mike Johnson at PWInsider.com. So um, I, I think it does show you just, that there are certain talents that are unhappy. And you have to wonder with Sinkara that he had this minimal push over the last couple of weeks. That seems that it kind of ended last week and continued tonight with that. He's got this minor push and then was put right back into the same slot. And I think he kind of realized that, that he kind of had the carrot dangled in front of him for a few weeks and it was taken away. Ultimately, it didn't really result in any sort of push because the band failed multiple times. He brought in backup and still failed. Um, and I suppose um, Cat Carolina, Catalina is... is It, it was uh, Carolina tonight by Vic Joseph. Was it? Okay. Anyway, yes. so uh, that seems like it was not meant to be anything permanent and only to serve this particular feud. And the last thing to mention here, I just want to make mention a very, very sad story over the weekend that uh, Matt Travis, who was 25 years old, he was a regular for House of Glory. Uh, he had been wrestling for Game Changer Wrestling as well. He died tragically early Saturday morning when he was riding a bike and was struck by a dump truck that was making an illegal turn and the truck kept going and yeah, he was rushed to hospital and died shortly thereafter. And you could just see tons of tributes pouring in on Saturday. He seemed to be a very, very popular member of that scene in the Northeast, uh, including uh, the likes of Santana and Ortiz, uh, his trainer, Amazing Red, who all of those guys were doing significant matches on Saturday. Red on the New Japan show and then uh, Santana and Ortiz on the AEW show. So it was very sad. Uh, House of Glory Wrestling, they have announced that their No Limit show this Saturday is going to be turned into a tribute show for Matt Travis. And all the information for that show you can find uh, in our update today. But it's going down this Saturday at 7 p.m. at the NYC Arena. And there's a number of people appearing on this show that are advertised. Kurt Angle is going to be there. Devon Dudley. Uh, Loki is wrestling. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express are going to be there. Um, so that uh, just just a really, really unfortunate story and as i mentioned 25 years old just a very very tragic story of a, a cyclist getting struck very sad 25 is uh, awful all right well we are gonna move on over to raw this being the taped edition from manchester england on friday they taped this so a three-day delay and we're going to see i would say that this would be 
the lowest number a raw could do going against football tape for three days. I would think that this number would represent this is the lowest we're going to go, at least in this uh, in this era of raw. Yeah, including holidays, would you say? I, I no, I, I wouldn't include holidays. That would right. be that would be an outlier. But I would say of uh, well, I mean, could this you, year, would you consider well, well, this year? They're they're not going to get hit by at least Raw is and SmackDown. They're not going to be hit because Christmas and New Year's are going to be uh, Wednesdays this year. So Raw Raw should be fine over the holidays this year. They're not going to fall on any uh, difficult days this year. So I would imagine this is probably going to be. Among, if not the lowest draw of the year. Well, would you not consider this one an outlier due to how it was taped? And Yeah, I wouldn't. It, it, it would just be curious to see, like, what is the amount of people that, with the results out there for days, that Monday night watching three hours of Raw is still a priority without something that is uh, driving people away, like falling on Christmas Eve or something like that. Right. So. Um, but yeah, not not a number that I would either be panicked over if it's 1.8 million, for instance. So for this show, it's just Vic Joseph and Jerry Lawler on commentary explaining that Dio Madden still selling the effects of the F5 from Brock Lesnar. And Becky Lynch comes out. They note Natalia is not here either due to family obligations. And Becky cuts a promo stating that the other challengers can come and bring it on. The only thing she fears is not being the greatest and suggests becoming Becky two belts again by going after the women's tag titles. And that prompts Charlotte Flair to come out. And there is no promo from Charlotte, no explanation of the two coming together to go after these titles. She just walked out and the Kabuki Warriors came out for a title match. This was the easiest title match to set up. I don't know if that was a legitimate reason or not, but that was the explanation on commentary that Natalia was originally slated for this match, but could not be here due to family obligations. Right. So uh, Becky is uh, stepping in here, I guess, uh, after... So I guess based on the wins by Charlotte and Natalia, this was their title shot, and Becky was nominating herself the replacement. Or it was decided in the back, somehow. Either way, I I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if Natalia, you know, legitimately could not be there for some reason, perhaps family obligations or not. Um, I don't know. It certainly makes you wonder. Yeah, I don't think she's uh, over there. Like, she's been tweeting, like, appearances she's been doing uh, uh, back here. So I don't think she is on on the tour. So um, I don't know what the actual reason was or why she she wasn't there but nonetheless this was our match and so this was an interesting way to get the heat on becky Kyrie took becky and ran her into oscar's ass and becky sold this and thus they had the advantage on becky uh Kyrie missed a sliding lariat into the corner. Flair comes in. She's chopping sane and then sane comes back with chops which charlotte just stands and no sells Oscar uh, comes in, eats an elbow, and this is when Shayna Baszler appears ringside. And this sets up the commercial break, and she just stands there for a long time to the point that you actually forget that Shayna is there. Uh, the Kabuki Warriors were in control of Flair for a long time here. Uh, eventually, Asuka uh, gets pulled to the corner. Uh, Sane tags herself in. Becky gets the tag, goes after Asuka. Missile drop kick to both women. And then Shayna gets onto the apron, and Bailey appears, yanks Baszler off the apron. They fight. Bailey then clotheslines Asuka, 
uh, sorry, clotheslines Shayna as Asuka then rolls up a distracted Becky and pins the Raw Women's Champion. Bailey then attacks Becky and Baszler leaves through the crowd to end all of this. Uh, quite a muddled finish at, at the end of all of this, but we got all our principles for the women's match at Survivor Series present. That seemed to, seemed to be the main focus, along with, I suppose, the, you know, you could now potentially build to another match between Asuka and Becky Lynch if you wanted to coming off of this. It, it does make you wonder if that if that was the intent of this. Or if Natalia was supposed to originally be in this and couldn't make it for some reason, what would that original finish have been? Yeah, like this certainly like they were they did mention it in commentary that that's not the first time that Oscar has pinned Becky Lynch. So I think they, they want to get to that at some point. Uh, had Natalia been here, um, well, you would have just assumed that maybe she Nat- lost. Natalia would have taken the fall this week as opposed to last week. But Becky, well, I mean, but Becky needed some role on this show. Anyway, who who knows what happened? It's it, it's you know, it's not really up to us to like figure out why what 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 you know what could have been. But um, the match itself was a solid raw TV match, not must see, but I thought perfectly fine. And uh, I don't know. It just... If anything, I thought it was. Charlotte, that was the biggest afterthought in this program, uh, and no yeah. real te- tease of her. Like, you would assume she's going to be part of the women's Survivor Series match, but there was no uh, building of that team on this show, which, you know, you have one episode of Raw left unless you're going to announce these teams um, through the website or on, you know, backstage or something. Could be, could be, but the focus seemed to be on the women's yeah, championship match. Th- that, that would be a lot going on, but n- not even later in the show, like Charlotte recruiting team members or anything well, like well, that. Well, the men didn't even really have much. They just had a graphic, right? Yeah, that that was it. You almost wonder, is, is Charlotte, who is she going to team with? Is it going to be the Kabuki Warriors? I mean, there's, most of the women are slotted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, not sure. Ricochet is in the back with Randy Orton and the OC are off to the corner and they start bullying Umberto Carrillo and Ricochet steps in. They make fun of Ricochet, the superhero, and they suggest a three on two match, but WWE won't allow it and tell both of them to start stepping and they have no friends and Randy steps in and says he will team with them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So this continues. Uh, so can you remind me, John, what happened last week? Did Orton manage to RKO Ricochet or not? He RKO'd Rusev. That's right. He RKO'd Rusev. That's right. He, he had RKO'd uh, Ricochet to feel going into Crown Jewel. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Okay. So anyway, so the guy who attacked you and was a part of the other team um, is, is now just kind of you know lingering this was like a it was like a phantom turn we got with randy orton here but they're still trying to tease that he could turn on them at any moment yeah yeah i i mean i just i feel like if i was ricochet if this dude attacked me and cost me that match and has been trying to rko me for weeks i would just attack him i wouldn't even even want to talk to him and want to reason with him yet this entire episode is like ricochet almost like you know, wanting, like, allowing himself to trust this guy one more time, which mm, I, I think just just makes him look like a subordinate to this guy. 
I want to see Randy Orton and Ricochet with their delivery have a 15 minute conversation on television. Or like a ride along, maybe. Uh, no, I, I want it to be in this setting because these uh, two talking to one another is <laughs> it's the furthest thing from a genuine conversation you could possibly produce. Mm. Mm. Drew McIntyre and Sinkata. Suicide dive, moonsault to the floor from the top, and uh is in control. Then he leaps off the middle rope into a Glasgow kiss. He beats down Sinkara, then uh, some leg kicks, tilt-a-whirl head scissors by Sinkara, slingshot Rana gets caught, powerbombed on the floor, Claymore, Drew wins in 357, and Sinkara contacted his graphic designer right afterwards. It's pretty interesting publicly announcing you've asked for your release on the same day you're scheduled to appear in a tape match on TV. So that made this match somewhat interesting. Um, it's nice to see Drew wrestle in a match that didn't get interrupted by an RKO. And, um, you know, to me, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what they're doing with Drew McIntyre. It feels like they're keeping him strong and at a certain level, but doesn't feel like at the moment they're building him in for any type of significant feud. Uh, is, he is a part of Team Raw, isn't he? Right? McIntyre? Yeah. Is I won't it? lie. I totally missed this graphic that, that you saw. So, <laughs> so it didn't okay. leave me. I left this show thinking that Rollins was teaming with the Street Profits and Kevin Owens because they called them Team Raw. Um, yeah, so I believe it, it was, oh man, well, well, I, I wrote it down here. Uh, it was on team raw. I believe you have, uh, yeah. Rollins, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, and, uh, Ricochet. No street profits. Uh, nope. Oh. Nope. Nope. So Yeah. Uh, anyway, so McIntyre's in it. I mean, at this point, man, how many like of these multi-man matches, I guess, do they have to go through? I mean, between Crown Jewel and Survivor Series, it's going to be a couple. So unfortunately, like somebody like Drew McIntyre really just doesn't feel like he's got a focus going on right now. And I don't know no. if he really has felt like he's been like almost like an accessory for the entire summer and now heading into the fall for most of the year. He's just been like an extra guy to cram into whether it be like a stable or somebody's tag team partner or um, here, like in these five man, so they're keeping him strong. It's just like I'm ready for this guy to have an actual program and an actual storyline. Yeah, and I would say by that kind of indifference that has been his character for this amount of months, I would say it's kind of taking the edge off this guy. Mm -hmm. I don't, I wouldn't classify him as strong at the moment. Not to say he's not uh, not someone you can rehabilitate, but yeah. he's just been idle for so long that he's just kind of blending there in the middle of the card. Yeah, not really feeling all that special. Yes. Um, you know, I was I was waiting for maybe them to to dub over uh, Vic Joseph and Jerry Lawler with some impromptu commentary by stating, "Did can you read Sinkara's lips, Jerry?" Yeah, I can read lips underneath a mask. I I think he just told Drew, "I'll put my career on the line." Did you hear that? Yeah, I did, Vic. He, <laughs> I think this is a retirement match. Oh, that Sinkara yeah. wants to put an end to drew mcintyre's career and he's willing to put his own on the line i think they could have announced that during the entrance just like they announced the uh, natalia um <laughs> disappearance <laughs> and uh and yes we we did not get uh catalina no no i mean it seems like that was only a temporary thing but i mean it i guess it tells you how much they care about zelina vega and andrade to like 
you know, build up this mini feud only to have him win every single match uh, as heels. Then we got Eric Rowan speaking to something up close as if he has a baby. and Or, or like a pet bird, like it was through a cage. Or something, a yeah. yes. And he's acting like it's cute and making all these strange noises. Yeah, so he's got some type of mystery pet. <laughs> yes. He's got the, uh, the Demogorgon. Inside a cage? Things. Oh. The Sings took on R-Truth. This is for the 24-7 title. So it's a two-on-one handicap match, which we established in two segments ago. WWE will not allow. So we're having it. Uh, but I guess this doesn't count because... The 24-7 title, I guess. Anything goes, right? Yeah, it's crazy. But they had to wait for the bell to ring for the 24-7 title to be on the line. I guess you really usually, don't. Yeah. I, no, yeah. I think Truth should have just jumped them instantly. Uh, they they just double teamed our truth I'm not going to spend any time going through this. They just ended up chasing the Sings back into the locker room. They went into the women's locker room. They all screamed. Then they left. They ran into another room that was dark. They turned on the lights. Eric Rowan is there with his pet. And he attacked them with a couch. R-Truth joked that they all need some privacy. He turned out the lights, and that's how we ended the scene, in the dark. Which and is appropriate, because this probably should have been a dark match. Yeah, this was terrible. Like, they didn't even bother sweetening the crowd noise for this one, because it was just silence. That's all you could really hear. I mean, whatever punchline they were attempting here with, with R-Truth just didn't work. Um, it was a lot of time spent following these guys into the back for, I would say, a pretty lame payoff. So this title, unfortunately, I think really fails to live up to, you know, any type of creative standard that they might have set previously with people like Drake, uh, Drake Maverick, who just have you seen him over the past several weeks? No, he's gone, he's disappeared into, into the abyss since the draft. Yeah, well, maybe that's who he could, he could team up with. That's who he should bring back. That's probably who he's chatting with a catering. Yes, yes. Uh, they uh, There were a number of mentions with it being uh, Veterans Day, Remembrance Day in Canada, of uh, of those that had served on the roster, Bobby Lashley, Lacey Evans, and Montez Ford. And then later they aired uh, some videos as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of videos on this show, and I guess you, you could assume perhaps, you know, partly due to the maybe shorter runtime with this taking part uh, as part of double tapings. Yeah. Which I believe we were told took place within, what, th three hours, 40 minutes? Yeah, Something like that's, that? that was that was one report we got. So if right. they, I, I mean to to do both shows in that amount of time is pretty good, I would say. Yeah, and I you know certainly I think video packages might might have an impact on ratings, but um, if you're reviewing a show, they're not the worst thing to have to sit through. Seth Rollins came out. He recapped last week the speech from Hunter, the NXT feud. And says his gang is going to finish this war at Survivor Series. Seth's gang. He thinks he's the best wrestler on the planet. Some people booed this. And he wants to issue an open challenge and face the UK's best. So out comes Will two, Ospreay. Well, oh. out comes two Germans, an Austrian, and an Italian. Well, um, it's... It's the WWE's version of the UK. Sure, it's so, one whole continent. 
the yeah, UK. They're, 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 their new passports read uh, <laughs> Origin NXT UK. Yes, yes. Uh, Walter walks out with Imperium. They got a pretty good response here. Walter cut a promo. They're going to restore the honor of their sport, and the canvas is sacred to them. So this sets up a match. Yeah. This was one of the segments that uh, was reported to just have a great amount of like uh, negative audience reaction towards Seth Rollins. So... You know, judging by this, you could still hear a little bit of it, but I, I definitely feel like much of it was sweetened here with some pretty obvious cutaways as well. Um, but, um, you know, it's I think they did an amicable, amicable job editing it so that the the maybe the, the untrained eye wouldn't really notice much. I think Walter, for the first time he's speaking in a main roster setting in front of like a, an arena uh, on WWE TV, I thought he was automatically like so much better than so much of this roster. You know, sounded authoritative, confident, and smooth. So the guy has, you know, clearly been more than ready for quite a while. Uh, so Vic Joseph is just going over the top that he's called this guy's matches on NXT UK, really doing a good job getting him over. Jerry Lawler's response. So you know this guy? Yeah. Showing us that he... <laughs> He may not even have heard of NXT UK, much much less may have seen And it. did not hide the, the, that fact at all between this and the Mark Andrews-Flash Morgan-Webster match. Like, he was almost proud of the fact he has never heard of these guys. Yeah, yeah. And granted, I I think, you know, much like our, our maybe, you know, when we talk about Jim Ross asking similar questions, there is going to be a big part of the audience who also has never heard of these guys, never seen NXT UK I suppose I feel like there's a better way of bringing that up than maybe this because this just makes it seem like they aren't stars at all. It doesn't have to be okay if if you're going to go that route. And let's be honest, Jerry Lawler has probably never seen these guys ever before calling this match. But instead of these questions like you've never heard of these guys, just make observations like my god, look at the size of this guy. Just be it, it, give us your impression of him and sell this guy to the audience. You can do that too. Um mm-hmm. though I, I think though it's it's a much better tack to be uh, oh, as your announcers, like you are the authority here. You are the ones that are the audience is looking for answers, not to feel that you're three steps ahead of the commentator here. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think like, you know, we've seen like Shivani, we've seen, we've seen Jim Ross for the most part, I think bring up these questions in a way that also makes these people feel really impressive. I didn't really get that from Jerry Lawler on this particular show. I, I just kind of found it more like, Oh, this dude's kind of weird. Uh, Flash Gordon, right? Like it was just more of a joking type of like dismissive, I think type of a bewilderment. So there was a springboard that Walter caught and into a released German. He applied a half crab and then Walter ran at him, got his leg caught in the rope, ate a springboard knee, but then recovered, went for the German. Rollins lands on his feet, super kicks him and calls for the stomp when Imperium runs in for the DQ at four minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, And that led to the Street Profits and Kevin Owens running down to make the save and set up our eight-man tag. You know, the promise of like a Rollins-Walter match red crate as as I was following the spoilers last week on Friday. Um, But, you know, having read the spoilers, I guess I wasn't so disappointed that they did the bait and switch here. Um, The match itself really was not all that impressive at all. It was just... 
you know, Walter putting on some holds and a brief comeback from Rollins, and that was really it. So uh, I think these NXT WWE crossovers continue to be really disappointing following, you know, that great debut we had with Cole and Bryan. Would you have rather had seen uh, Tyler Bate as opposed to Walter in this match? I so, mm, I think Bate will automatically be like an under, underdog. So clearly the intent on this show was to have WWE look strong and look victorious against NXT UK. At least maybe just, you know, oh, you're giving a week of WWE advantage over NXT's sister brand, inferior brand, the way it came across here. Um, so I I don't know if Bate would have necessarily worked for that. But, you know, you, you could have had Rollins beat Tyler Bate and that really wouldn't... I think he would have at least had a clean finish. I ask because then we could have called the show Tyler Bate and Switch. <laughs> Wonderful. We could still call it that. That's that's excellent. No, there's no Tyler Bate on this show. That, that was my only reasoning for that question. But Wonderful. thank you for answering my stupid question seriously. You are the Vic Joseph of our tandem. Uh, so we had our eight-man tag. Uh, Rollins got sent into the steps. Uh, it, it was a fun eight-man for, for the time they had here. Mm. Uh, Rollins came back with a superplex after uh, Walter hit him with a running shotgun dropkick. Owens got the tag and ran wild. Cannonball onto Fabian Eichner and then a swanton on Alexander Wolf. Rollins hit his Rollins suicide dive. And then Montez Ford like cleared customs as he hit this Topicon hero and landed in Austria after nailing Walter. This was unbelievable. And the way they shot it, like underneath Ford, when he crashes onto the desk, this thing looked so impressive. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, he continues to impress and steal the show. Like every time he gets on camp in front of the camera, like between this and the warrior rope shaking, he, he definitely knows how to get people's attention. Owens hit the stunner onto Marcel Bartel, and then Rollins with the stomp, pinning Alexander Wolf in 641. So, a fun eight-man. I, I liked it for uh, what it was here. Yes, yes. I did enjoy this match more. Um, you know, I thought Walter, this was a decent showcase for him. He showed off a really agile dropkick. I, I, I think, I suppose in their minds, Raw was due for a win, and Alexander Wolf was somebody fine to sacrifice. Kevin Owens, I was also really impressed at, at the loud reaction that he seemed to have in front of this audience. So he continues to be somebody that, you know, despite maybe infrequent appearances, still has much of the crowd's uh, admiration. Uh, they promoted WWE backstage uh, after last week's number. This week, they'll have Mick Foley and Adam Cole on the show. Okay, cool. Yep. Cedric Alexander and Andrade. Uh, this is when Vic did the recap of Andrade and Vega's win last week and referred to her as Carolina. Mm, okay. Maybe it's different every week. Uh, yeah, well, he, he shifted once she's disappeared. Uh, Cedric hit a dive to the floor in Andrade, then a spinning flatliner for a two count. Then Cedric uh, pulls him off of the rope. Zelina Vega behind the referee's back grabs his leg and gets hit with a spinning elbow and the hammerlock DDT and Andrade wins in 333. I, I would say Andrade seems to be very much in, in like a similar role as Drew where they're keeping him very strong, but, you know, are, are basically putting him in sort of the, uh, you know, just the, the, the uh, practice area before he actually gets a, a real feud to, 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 to go into. Um, yeah, it was fine. It was a fine match. 
The room has returned. I've spoken to you about sins, insanity, and about being condemned. I've even spoken to you in riddles. What if I talk to you about secrets? Secrets that would tie all of this together. Secrets of a man not so well kept, and the sins that it brought him. Hear me now. Yeah. So who is he directing this promo towards? Uh, Matt Riddle. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes, uh, yes. Because, yeah, it's a riddle. Um, yeah, I mean, he too. I, I suppose, like, because, like, between Crown Jewel, between the brand split, between the Survivor Series, you have just a whole roster of guys that I think are sort of in a position where you're just, they're just getting exposure on TV, but not necessarily getting any type of, uh, storyline and Alistair Black is you know it feels like he spent the entire year in, in, in a similar spot so maybe after Survivor Series <laughs> I keep saying this every single week maybe next month is when he'll finally get a program which or, Survivor Series after which Survivor Series next year 2020 okay. yeah so you gotta you gotta get guys ready you gotta you know get yeah. them ready uh, this is when John Cena spoke about Veterans Day. We got various tweets from talent and executives. And then the big segment. Lana comes out. She's be- being booed right away. And she's here to confess her sins. She said Lashley is the love of his lo- of her life. And she didn't want to talk about this, but one of her traits, she's always honest. And she admits she cheated on Rusev, but he cheated on her first. So we get the timeline way. Seven weeks ago, she had sex with Bobby Lashley for the first time. It was seven weeks ago tonight. It's their sex anniversary tonight. Oh, and man. she was... That, that means that they did this either before or after Raw. Uh, good question. Yeah. Were they booked on that show? Um, Maybe not. Well, probably not. When would have when would seven weeks ago have been September? Well, we 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 wouldn't 30th. have seen them. We wouldn't have seen them until they started having until after they started having sex. So I would assume this was either backstage or beforehand. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do do the back timing. Okay. If Raw goes to eleven, yeah, odds are they wouldn't have gotten out of the building until eleven. Could they have had sex within those sixty minutes before it becomes uh, Tuesday? Well, we know like. Rusev demands sex at WrestleMania, you know, backstage at Raw. So could have happened anywhere at any time during the day. No, but this was the this was the sex with Lashley. Oh well, yeah, what I'm saying is like wrestling wrestlers having sex could happen oh, anywhere. Okay. All right. In the WWE universe. Maybe they had sex in the room. And that That's is good. going to be how Alistair Black <laughs> finds out that his room has been desecrated. God, wow. I hope that he doesn't turn it into a blacklight room. So the crowd just hates this. And it's, there was no sweetening that was going to save this. Like you could tell how the crowd hated this. And I mean, Lana just keeps going here. She's ranting about how she got knocked down last week by Ricochet and Lashley insisted she go get checked out by the doctor. And she's fine. She has a clean bill of health. But they discovered she is nine weeks pregnant. And Jerry Lawler did the math. 
So Rusev put a monster brat inside of her, is what Lana says. The crowd uh, cheers a, this. A machka brat. Oh, I thought you said monster brat. Machka brat. They cheer. They chant Rusev Day, and she calls him a Bulgarian son of a bitch. So Rusev comes out, and they start chanting Daddy's Home. Lana proceeds to list off all the places that he wanted to have sex with her, including the tank at WrestleMania. Don't forget the tank. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rusev wants to understand because he has his doubts about this story, and Lana gets pissed, starts slapping him, and then jumps onto his back when Lashley enters and goes after Rusev, attacking him, slams him down, and then Lana reveals it was a hoax. She isn't pregnant and made out with Bobby Lashley. So she revealed this like on the ramp as she was walking up. So only like the on-camera Mike could have caught it. So therefore in all these spoiler reports, that particular aspect was not revealed. And I feel like they must've known exactly what they were doing by teasing, you know, the spoiler reporting crowd with the pregnancy thing, thinking it was going to lead into a bigger storyline and only dismissing it to the TV audience. So I found that somewhat interesting. The rest of this thing, man, I'm pretty checked out of the entire thing. I feel like there are way more important things in life to spend mental energy on than to either try to process this or to complain about it or to even enjoy it. It, It's just there. This is going to be among, if not the worst feud of 2019. I, I I hate myself for thinking about this. But I did feel that they've now played the pregnancy card in this angle. So I don't yeah. feel they can go back to this now. I mean, that could be the big irony, right? That, well, she wouldn't be pregnant now. Um, we know she's not pregnant now. So unless they do something where she is pregnant and it turns out it's not Lashley's. Like I just, where is this going now? What's, what's the next step in this? I started to think about the possibility. Cause this is, this is just going to continue as long. This is just for their, their damn YouTube views. That is, that is all that this thing is for now. Sure. Yeah. Do you really think it's got, um, oh God. Um, when do you think it ends? I was Um, about to say climax, but yeah, I think it ended on Friday, two minutes into this promo. Uh, but the period that it is going to continue, um, I, I see them riding this thing out till at least the end of the year. Maybe, maybe that TLC pay per view they can they can do some match. The um, uh, I don't know. They can put they can do a ladder match with 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 Lana. Yeah, great, awesome, sounds great. Eric Rowan came out with his his cage his his case that he had covered and left it with the announcers and then he killed this man named Sonner Durson in a minute nine with the claw slam so mm-hmm. Eric Rowan is back to maybe it's wine bottles that he has in his case maybe that's who he he's in love with wine oh a jug of wine yeah yeah um I hope so that'd be great what a twist. maybe yeah maybe he's he's stuck in the past he thinks it's thinks it's like the prohibition era and he's got some illegal Alcohol. Who knows what this thing is? You know, let your imagination run wild. I think it, it kind of makes what, sense. What, what are the odds that this, what 
is in this cage, what comes out of this cage way is going to generate from you the words, wow, awesome. Is there a possible chance that that happens? I mean, if he revealed underneath the, the, the sack, like maybe, um, you know, the most impressive, like a Lego Millennium Falcon, I'll be like, whoa, that thing's expensive. And it comes in a lot of pieces. I would say, wow. Beyond that, I don't know. Okay. The Viking Raiders against Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. So Lawler is not familiar with this team. So he Googled Flash Morgan Webster and said, this guy used to feud with Ming the Merciless for the punchline. No, Jerry, that's Flash Gordon you Googled. I wonder how long it took them in the back to <laughs> set that one up. But I think this was a Jerry Lawler original. Oh, yeah. Do you think it was improvised or do you think it was designed? Imagine him going over his spots with Vic Joseph. Okay. So when this when this little guy walks out, this is going to be the line I use. Okay. So I want you to pause before you tell me that it's Flash Gordon. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was a little bit clever, but I mean, shit. It's just like, how do you spell geek any, any more than, you know, just this? Uh, this would have been it. Yep. Uh, so not that the match did many favors for them either. Uh, we got some Topicon heroes from Andrews and Webster together. Stun dog millionaire by Andrews and then Webster hit the Swanton for a two count on Eric. That was the end of their night as Ivar then came in suicide dive, double avalanche flying knees from Eric and the Viking experience to Andrews in three minutes and six seconds. I can only hope that those that are just, viewers of raw that have never watched NXT UK in their life. Did they think that this was just the natural progression of the Chicago Cubs, the East Hampton yacht club. And these were their job guys from the UK. If I never, if I've never seen I NXT UK, that's I think what I would have come across. It's like, Oh, look, this is hilarious. Oh, they found a stereotype. Guy. He's got a helmet with yeah. the union Jack on it. They found a stereotype huh. for the UK. Flash Morgan Webster. Yeah. <laughs> Andrews. Mean, on this show, they NXT UK really turned out to be a bit of a, a job squad of the NXT brand. And I guess the saving grace is that I don't think coming out of this, they even made any mention that NXT UK was a show on the network. Oh, they so, mentioned it. Oh, they did mention? Yeah. They said, to all our brand new viewers, if any of you are out of work, uh, we've got a show that airs Thursday afternoons in the prime slot of 3 p.m. Eastern for you. So uh, this is just a taste of what you can get for an hour. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how necessary really all of this was, you know, seeing the result. I really do like the idea of NXT UK being part of the invaders and making it seem like, you know, NXT is a bigger global threat. But the key word is threat. And I'm, I really don't think NXT was any in any need of taking losses meaning i don't think raw was in any position to need to win because raw is already established as the dominant more popular you know franchise and to only you know in your second week in this thing wanting to like parody book your raw versus nxt matches on on these shows I, I really th didn't think it was necessary because I think you're still in a position of, of needing to establish NXT, especially NXT UK, if you're giving that brand any hope of like attracting new viewers. 
I actually thought, like the NXT UK guys, I thought Vic Joseph was trying to go above and beyond to really put these guys over. Well, thank um, God they had him, yeah. yeah but I mean, I the thought, booking, the, like he can only do so much. It's the booking that carries the rest. Yeah, I, I didn't think this was a uh, a shining representation for Anderson Webster by any stretch. Orton's getting ready in the back. Uh, Ricochet walks in for some uh, heated dialogue. He asks Orton, do you... <laughs> Do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> I just love the way he came up. Can you imagine he's going up to someone and asking this? Uh, he knows that he's going to RKO him out of nowhere. And Orton told him, relax. The last thing you need to do is allow me to get into your head. And Ricochet thought, okay, cool. I guess I'm stupid. <laughs> and he left and was willing to trust this guy. So the OC versus Orton, Ricochet, and Umberto Carrillo. Orton and Ricochet got into an argument early. Carrillo's playing Peacemaker. That set up our commercial break. Ricochet got tagged in. He's going after all three, but then Anderson got the heat with a spine buster. Gallus strikes Orton off the apron, and he eventually fights off Styles, hits a heel kick, tags in Carrillo. He misses a moonsault off the top. Then Orton's in. Everyone's trading moves. Ricochet hits the recoil. Carrillo hits a moonsault to the floor onto Gallows and Anderson. And then Orton teases the RKO to Ricochet, but instead delivers it to AJ. And then he tags Carrillo, and he lands a top rope moonsault, pinning AJ Styles. And after the match, Orton again teased Ricochet and then tells him, I do what I want, when I want, to whoever I want. Remember that. And Randy left. Yeah, and Ricochet just just stared. Um, Okay. (laughs) I understand the story. You know, it's, I don't know, it just seems like it's Randy Orton exerting dominance over everybody, including Ricochet. Uh, and Ricochet just, you know, being on guard that he's going to be attacked at any second. I guess I just don't really understand how it makes Ricochet a better babyface at the end of it. Like, what are the scenarios that that this could turn out well for Ricochet? You know, he's a guy who's been attacked by Orton multiple times, and... Rather than going for revenge, it seems like he's just kind of setting himself to be manipulated again. So if this ends with Ricochet and Orton, let's say being friends, tag team partners, like, I think Ricochet still looks dumb for allowing a guy who's attacked him suddenly be his pal. And and certainly probably, uh you know, under him as far as, you know, um, rank. If it ends with Randy attacking Ricochet again, which it very well could, Ricochet, of course, still looks bad. And if it ends with Ricochet attacking Randy... Randy's like their coolest baby face. You know, he gets cheered. Like, people in this match in the middle of it are chanting RKO in the middle of, like, Humberto Carrillo's comeback. So, I mean, if Ricochet attacked Randy, I don't know if he'd come out looking better in this situation either. So, I I just don't know how Ricochet can come out of this looking well. Well, that was raw. Um, It was an episode. I already had like pretty lowered expectations for the show after reading the results, and let's let's also remember, yes, this was all this was taped. This also came maybe a bit truncated as a result of like being a part of a double tapings. Um, nothing I would say was shockingly bad, except for maybe that Rusev Lana segment. But at this point, I'm so numb to it that it's not even that memorable. In fact, I thought much of the in ring was actually decent, but you know, certainly. An uneventful show without much significant development in any way. You're seeing a bunch of members of the roster basically just in the starting position waiting for a storyline. So you're seeing like a bunch of squash squash matches that don't add to their stock or value at all. Um, 
Otherwise, just a pretty skippable show. It's a skippable show. The, the tape nature didn't bother me at all. I mean, that to me was not any kind of factor in my enjoyment or lack thereof of the show. I would say if there was anything on this show worth checking out, uh, maybe the the eight man with Imperium against Rollins, Street Profits, and Kevin Owens. Beyond that, I, I I don't know how much I would recommend on this show. It was one where, yeah, if if you missed, if you took this week off. You're more than fine to just tune in next week when they're doing all the the go-home episodes leading into Survivor Series. Yeah. It was a much more concise review. Forum time. Forum.postwrestling.com. Tonight's show. uh, Let's do our our favorite, a prediction. Does this crack a four way? No. A 3.07. All right. Chris from Cork. He says uh, he attended Raw last Friday. The main thing I remember from the show was the show opening pyro. I was literally in the corner by the aisle barrier and the Tron, so the pyro was only two to three meters away. Oh, God. I forgot it was coming, and before I knew it, I felt like Jeff Hardy in that angle where Matt supposedly sabotaged the pyro. Also, the heat from it was intense. I was glad Becky's steam cooled things down shortly after. The show itself was terrible. The women's opener went way too long. Then we were treated to a Drew McIntyre squash and comedy from the 24-7 lads. Drew was pretty over in the building being Scottish. Seth came out to a chorus of booze. I want to start a petition to replace Burn It Down with Tweet It Out as the keyboard warrior has lost a lot of fan respect through that and his terrible character. Hardly anyone in the building knew Imperium, unfortunately. I think someone like Pete Dunne might have been a better choice here. I also don't understand why they gave away that Imperium uh, were there in a nothing angle on SmackDown if they were going to do something significant on Raw. I was looking forward to the Walter match, but it barely started. Fans were mad for Kevin Owens, so I'd look to build Raw around him if I was uh, Paul Heyman. The Lana nonsense inevitably turned towards pregnancy. My friend, who had up till this point felt guilty as he couldn't bring his kids to the show, was suddenly very glad he had not. One thing I'll say is that with while other media, such as the Marvel movies, can appeal to both kids and adults, WWE seems intent on driving both away. With adult drivel like this and childish humor, such as Roman's chihuahua noises. <laughs> A couple more squash matches, then suddenly the show was over. I was shocked that the six-man was the main event. The crowd was dead by that point, and we were ready to go home. The Fiend showed up and destroyed the OC in the dark segment, which did send people home on a high note. Overall, a 3 out of 10 show for me. We go to Paul from New Jersey, who says, uh, On October 28th, Charlotte and Natty beat the Iconics when Natty submits Billy Kay. November 4th, Charlotte and Natty beat the Kabuki Warriors when Natty submits Asuka. I guess Natty didn't pull her away to earn her spot in the Women's Tag Team Championship match. Yeah, uh, it, they certainly could have explained that a whole lot better uh, than... You know, just casually mentioning it in the in the thing. We don't. I don't know the circumstances. Maybe it was legitimate that Natty couldn't be there. Who knows? Um, he says I like Zelina Vega a lot, but Andrade comes off looking a little weak when he cannot defeat the likes of Cedric Alexander, Sin Cara, and Lowercase G without her assistance. Her interference should be reserved for more challenging opponents. Looks like Black will be getting a proper feud. Who would you guys have for that? How about Andrade? Uh, yeah, that'd be kind of weird. Zelina Vega, like, screwing with Aleister Black during his matches. That'd be fun. It'd be like a little, like, kind of subtle wink-wink to people who know. But, you know, they're both people on similar level. I mean, obviously, the argument is, can either of them afford a loss? Um, if the feud is good enough and if the matches are good enough, then I would say yes. I, I would have Aleister Black go over Andrade. I would say the last words Aleister Black wants to hear from this Raw 
creative staff is, hey, we've got this idea with your wife. Yeah. Good call. Brandon from Oshawa. Poor Eric Rowan. He gets the push of his life and gets a rare win over Roman Reigns. Looks pretty decent in the feud and is now relegated to carrying a pet around and making noises. Baby noises. I guess since NXT UK isn't going to be at Survivor Series, they had no issues with making them look like chumps tonight. I think there's potential for an Orton Ricochet team for a couple of months. We all know the RKO is coming so they can get away with some good teases for a while. Best part of the show is the Alistair Black promo, knowing we get it recap from John. Can I request that we get some recaps in the future of Eric Rowan's dark room promos talking to his pet? Well, that, that we can assign to way. I think I'm busy during those specific moments on Mondays. Finally, we go to John from Nashville who says, wow, that was horrible. I gave up after the Lana Rusev angle. I'm pretty sure they turned down the crowd volume for this angle and when Rollins came out earlier. I mean, if you're going to give us this trash, you might as well give us the full effect of the crowd. I think even after Survivor Series, I need to take a break from the main roster shows. NXT is the only thing I'm enjoying from the WWE product. All right. So thank you, everyone, for your feedback to Raw tonight. Uh, Before we end here, uh, do you mind if I just quickly run through this New Japan show? No, not at all, please. So they were doing uh, – this was their first show from Saturday. On Monday night, they were doing the show from the Globe Theater in L.A., but that was not being broadcast on New Japan World. So uh, I watched the whole show, and I watched it on English Commentary, where it featured, for the first half of the show, Kevin Kelly and Tiger Hattori. Oh, wow. Cool. Yes. And then the second half, Rocky Romero joined them. So the opener saw uh, Alex Coughlin defeat Ren Narita in 744 with a bridging belly-to-belly suplex. Um, The crowd was just very hot immediately just to see the New Japan product, and that kind of carried throughout the show. This was a really strong crowd that they had in San Jose, and both these guys look really great. Uh, Coughlin is just – he's got like a great demeanor to him, and I think you're seeing him uh, really start to make some improvements as well that you're seeing him – discussed in the same light as the other young lions, which is a, a very deep uh, category of guys that they have at the moment. Second match was uh, Colt Cabana and Tori Yano against Jushin Thunder Liger and Aaron Solo in Liger's final match in the U.S. ever. Uh, we saw a, a sunset flip that sent Cabana into the exposed buckle. Yano served as a shield for Cabana, and uh, then Cabana came back, bionic elbow, and pinned solo with the Superman pin. Uh, the only down downside to this was that it was just such a nothing for Jushin Liger's, for a match that they built up as his final match in the U.S. You got the entrance, you got some showtays, and that was about it. And maybe to think you were going to get any more would be uh, expecting too much. But even in this, in a comedy environment, I thought... You know, I, I thought Aaron Solo was focused on more so than, than even Liger in this match. So I, I can't say that Liger, he got like a nice ovation at the end and he bowed to the crowd. So they acknowledged it was significant. It just wasn't treated as like a gigantic deal. Minoru Suzuki and El Desperado against Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors. This one went 9.57. The star of this match was Minoru Suzuki. The second he came out, this crowd was in love with this man They popped huge for every single one of his signature moves, and he just destroyed Carl Fredericks and had his maniacal laughter along the way. And at the end, he did the rear naked choke into the gotch pile driver, pinning Fredericks while Desperado applied numero dos onto Clark Connors. So Suzuki, he helps Carl Fredericks up after the match just to slap him, and he falls down again. So Minoru Suzuki was hilarious here. And on Monday night... 
him and Boss Rutan took a photo at the Globe Theater. Yeah, wow. Amazing. That was kind of cool. So Legends. Boss Rutan was checking uh, checking out the show. Evil Sonata and Bushi against Tomohiro Ishii, Juice Robinson, and TJP. Now, the best – Tiger Hattori, you know, he, he can speak English. He admitted right away he was very nervous doing commentary. And, you know, he was not a great uh, – he, he wasn't great on commentary, but his value was sharing all these cool stories that he knows the backgrounds of so many of these guys. And he talked about Juice Robinson coming to the dojo. It started when his old friend Matt Bloom called him and said, you've got to take this guy. And Tiger Hattori had never heard of CJ Parker, the later Juice Robinson, but he came over and joined the dojo in September of 2015. And it was kind of just cool to hear Tiger Hattori just share little stories about guys that he knew while Kevin Kelly did the majority of actually calling the show. Uh, so this match, it was, uh, it featured a lot of comedy early on juice, unable to do a kip up and TJP just kind of watching him as he struggled doing all, all of this. It ended with, uh, Juice hitting the cannonball, left hand of God, and Pulp Friction pinning Bushi in about 12 minutes. And more so a uh, focus for TJP more than anything in this. Uh, he had a really good sequence with uh, Sonata in the middle of all of this. Then we had Kenta, Taiji Ishimori, and Jado taking on Hiroki Goto, Yo, and Rocky Romero. 11 minutes, uh, Jado knocked down the referee, and he had the kendo stick. Goto stopped him, and then Romero caught him with an inside cradle. Uh, not a not a super memorable match. Just kind of in the middle of all of this. And then El Fantasmo defended the British Cruiserweight title against Sho. This was an awesome match. There were uh, Sho looked tremendous in this. He had his back all taped up, and that became Fantasmo's focus. And again, he's doing the past Bullet Club leaders finishes. He hit a Styles Clash for a near fall. He tried the one winged angel, but it got stopped with a backstabber and show hit the power breaker for a two count and these near falls the crowd was going insane for he uh, went for the shock arrow that got countered and phantasmo pulled marty asami in front so uh show speared asami and then ducked a belt shot the ref is still out taiji ishimori runs in attacking show yo runs down to stop him they hit the 3k onto ishimori and then the shock arrow is hit he's got phantasmo beat but asami is still down so another referee runs in he counts two phantasmo kicks out and this place exploded for this and then there was a german suplex off the top but phantasmo landed on his feet Behind the referee's back, he punches Show in the balls and hits the CR2 to win the match in 20 minutes and 24 seconds. This was a terrific match. I thought one of the best matches of the whole show. Maybe the match of the show, to be honest. They got a lot of time, and it was cool to watch Show in a big uh, singles outing here against Phantasmo. Lance Archer defeated David Finley. They went 13 minutes, 12 seconds, with Archer winning with the EBD claw. And they just had a big brawl from the get-go. Finley had his shoulder taped up, the left shoulder that he was coming back from. Uh, I, I would say it was good. I don't think I ever got to like the big level of some of Lance Archer's bigger singles matches this past summer. Uh, he countered the blackout, and then Archer hit a derailer, and then hit the blackout uh, before pulling him up from the cover and hitting the EBD claw. And afterwards, Juice ran in to check in on David Finley, so teasing Archer and Juice for a future date for the United States title. And two more matches here. 
uh, Tetsuya Naito and Shingo Takagi defeated Jay White and Chase Owens. That occurred when uh, Naito was in the ring. He blocked the Blade Runner. Takagi killed Jay White with a lariat, and Owens was left there for the Death Snow in 15 minutes, 38 seconds. Uh, Tetsuya Naito, he... He looked a lot more refreshed in this match. He was he was moving better and was in there a lot more than Shingo Takagi. So it seemed that uh, Tetsuya Naito got a lot of the focus of this match. And then the main event was Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay against Kota Ibushi and Amazing Red. They only went 15 and a half minutes, but it was a super entertaining tag for the time they had. Like, no downtime in any of this. Um, Will Ospreay and Amazing Red did this awesome sequence just at... A tremendous speed. Uh, Red did the multiple revolutions into a DDT that the crowd was just growing and growing with with each rotation. Okada and Ibushi came in briefly, uh, and then Red ducked the Rainmaker, and this was the only kind of hiccup in the match because he ducked the Rainmaker, and just it wasn't like a smooth transition into the Code Red that he hit. Uh, but then Will made the save for Okada. Red did a backflip off the top and got caught by Okada, who hit a tombstone, top rope elbow, did the Rainmaker pose, and then hit Red with the Rainmaker for the win. Um, so I, I enjoyed the tag match a lot. I would I would certainly recommend that and the match between El Fantasmo and Show. That was my match of the show. But this was a, like a super house show to watch. Like I could imagine if you went to watch this, this was a great three-hour show. Very cool. Very cool. And it's up down world. Yeah, it's up on New Japan World and WH Park and Davis Storm did a much more extensive review that is up on the site. So if you want to go check out that, uh, that is up on the post wrestling site. So uh, that is it. Unless you have any uh, announcements or um, declarations to make way. No, none. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning into Rewind a Raw. We'll be back. Well, we will be back on Tuesday night. Uh, chatting about Thor Ragnarok. So check that out on the Post Wrestling Cafe. And that is it. Good night, everybody.